Welcome to the Shred with Science podcast with your host, Dr. Chris Spearman, one of the world's leading online fitness coaches, an expert in metabolic correction and a global cover model. Chris delves deep into the most up-to-date scientific literature to provide you with the tools you need to live a healthy, enjoyable, and educated lifestyle. Yo, what is going on, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of the Shred with Science podcast. Today, it is episode 91, and we talk everything you need to know about keto. Now, the one thing I'll say before we delve into keto is lots of people out there get confused and think that just because you're going low carb means that you're keto or that you're keto adapted. Um, and that is just not the case. Now, I'm going to let Danny do the majority of the speaking um, and give you his point of view, um, what he's been doing for a very long time, why he's been doing it. But I think before we delve into um, ketosis or, or keto, Uh, I think it's important for me to address that. Firstly, um, for those of you who are unaware, uh, keto comes from the word ketosis or ketones, which is basically uh, the body's ability to produce uh, specific specific energy molecules called ketones so that in the absence of carbohydrates, your body is able to function. Now, this happens obviously when you're low carbohydrate, but not necessary, not always. Um, as Danny discusses, you need to have a high level of fat in your in in in, in your nutritional um, program, um, and your protein can't be overly high for the vast majority of people unless you are keto adapted. Um, and in doing so, your body uh, produces ketones or ketone bodies, which your body then utilizes to to function um and uh, as danny talks about it can be quite beneficial um for insulin sensitivity brain cognitive function um and longevity of life uh, i'm gonna let danny do the majority of the speaking so for those of you guys who are unaware um danny vega is one of if not the best most in my opinion well respected um keto advocates um, now, Danny's very open about the fact that keto is not for everybody. Um, and I think it's really, really important when you're looking at uh, maybe changing an aspect of your nutrition to identify that there is no one fits all. Uh, depending on where you are in your life, what your goals are, you may try different forms of dieting. Um, and I think that's really, really important. And Danny's extremely responsible um, in identifying that it works for him. Uh, in specific situations, he would advise it. Uh, in specific situations, he wouldn't advise it. Uh, and we go to in, in, into a little bit of detail on that. Um, I've had the absolute privilege of meeting Danny on a number of occasions, uh, followed him for a very, very long time. Great friend of Ben Pogolsky's. Um, and we discuss their new program uh, that they're launching for those out there who want to build muscle. Yes, build muscle um, on ketosis and how to do it um, and how to become a little bit more fat adapted of course it you know it, it it's something for me that i i openly admit that i've not fully delved into um although i've been quite low carb for the vast majority of, of of my fitness career i would never have been in ketosis per se but i'm really looking forward to maybe going down that rabbit hole and i'm sure uh, if there's anyone out there who i would ask for help and assistance from it would be danny so uh, before I do, and before I introduce um, Danny Vega, um, I am going to call out today's winner of a free call with me um, on anything, uh, be it nutrition, training, supplementation, mindset, business. Now, the winner is TJ Coops. Uh, TJ has left a five, he or she has left a five star rating that has said, I followed Chris for a while and love his honest way of delivering truth. This is a great show and lots of knowledge and information. So thank you so much for your review on iTunes. As always, anyone who leaves a review is highly likely to win a free call with me. So if this is you, drop me a DM or hit me an email, chris at spearmanfitness.com. Uh, dot com, but you're better off hitting me up in the DMs. I'll get back to you straight away, as I always do for anyone who has any questions, queries, um, or wants a little bit more information on anything. Now, as always, uh, I'm going to delve deep 
ask as much as I possibly can for my own selfish pleasure uh, because although podcasts of course are for you guys out there um, for clients for, for for those of you guys out there who listen the reason I get the majority of these people on the podcast is because I'm really interested in what they have to say. Um, so hope you enjoy the episode. As always, share on your story, uh, tag myself, tag Danny, um, and uh, we will repost for sure. Um, and we hope this adds value. Yeah, buddy, it was it was awesome. I think Ben left today, um, but as you know, it, it just. I'm just like a sponge and he just keeps giving information. So I feel like there's just infinite amounts to learn, as you know, right? Dude, I, yeah, I got some major FOMO for sure. Definitely <laughs> yeah. have some, some major FOMO seeing all the people. Um, you know, I know Martin was probably just cracking jokes the whole time. Martin was there, right? Yeah, he's huge. Like, <laughs> he's like, massive, yeah. like he makes, obviously, James Hollingshead was there. Ben was there. Uh, Jordan was there. And he just made them look small like he's yeah. and he's like a big kid he's like this huge kid <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely have you trained with him uh well we so it's funny because we came he came to tampa in january and we didn't get to train and we wanted to train the legs with him the next day and he's like oh i gotta go and so he had to leave um nobody wants to train legs with ben and it's oh, hilarious because every single time Ben and I like have a, a layoff from training. The first day we ever do back, it, it, like we get back together, it's always legs. Uh, so, and it's always brutal. Um, but then we ran into each other in the, at the Arnold and Ben and I was, were pretty much done training. And, you know, of course, Ben, he, he, the coach hat, you know, comes on really, really quick and he sees Martin doing some chest presses and he immediately starts to coach him. So, you know, he just basically made what Martin was doing like 10 times harder. And, uh, but we haven't had a full training session in just a bunch of laughing and, and hanging out whenever he's around. Yeah, dude, it's such a good environment over there. Like I, I miss it. It's, I think this is the longest I've been since being over there, obviously I've been back and forward and obviously we had food. I think was that the last time I was there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was great at Ben's house. Every yeah. time he has people over, those people come over and uh, cook for us and we tell them what to cook and it's amazing. Yeah, dude, it was awesome. And I mean, speaking of, I, I know we had a conversation about, um, obviously I've always kind of been interested in, in going down the keto um, rabbit hole. And I, you know, for me, it's, I really want to kind of, get a personal approach to what works well for me. And obviously when I was, you know, doing my doctorate and in the lab all the time, I just felt like going really low or, or no carb was just incredible for focus. Um, yes. Was that, was that your main reason for going down the keto route or, or what kind of sparked that for you? So for me, the original thing was quality of life. You know, I had just been four doing a typical, you know, your typical cut where you start with the fat, you know, kind of low. And then at the, you know, you, you taper back the fat, but you taper back the carbs more than anything. Um, and at the end, you know, I was at 50 grams of fat and my carbs were already down to like under 200 mm -hmm. and I was really, really lean. Um, and then I would have like a cheat day. Um, and you know, the cheat day would always be a disaster. It would just be like 10 o'clock at night on a Sunday and my wife and I, you know, both trying to get more food stuffed into our bellies when we're already full because mm -hmm. we knew that, you know, we we're going to have the next week of, of restriction. Right. So it was like two or three weeks in a row of that. And I was like, this, this just can't be good, man. Maybe I need, maybe I need something different. And mm -hmm. at the time I had a buddy who was, who was doing graduate work here at, in, at the University of Tampa. Mm -hmm. And he was always telling me, man, you, you need to just try keto. And I just thought, man, that's absurd. Like absolutely no carbs. Like, like, you know, anything less than even a hundred is, is really, really low. You know, what's this all about? And so I was like, okay, well maybe I'll, I'll try this just cause I, I had those three weekends in a row. And so you imagine your body, when your fat is low and your carbs are already low and then you basically go keto, really what you're doing is you're just giving yourself a bunch of fat back. So right. where I was eating turkey bacon, I finally got to eat bacon. That was a disaster too, by the way. The first time I ate bacon, I opened up a whole pack of bacon, cooked it all, 
drank the bacon juice, like drank the, the bacon fat. It, it was, and I had like an aversion to bacon for like a month because it was so disgusting that I was oh, just, wow. <laughs> and it was just my, my, my brain. I was just like, I need fat, you know, I want fat. Yeah. Um, so I overdid it. But what I noticed is that I didn't really have the keto flu, um, because my fat was already low. So I just added fat back. And what I found is this weird thing where for like the first three weeks, I felt that focus. I felt my joints were just feeling so much better. You know I mean? I played on AstroTurf in college, played AstroTurf, uh, college football, and, and it was a crappy surface. So I would, you know, had a bunch of bumps and bruises from that. And then uh, my powerlifting days, you know, just again, you know, injuries from powerlifting. So, you know, I remember at the time I was living in a two-story house and every morning I'd wake up, have to go down the stairs real slow, uh, try to just let my, my body warm itself up before, you know, for like an hour, just trying to get everything moving. And that disappeared within a few days. So I was like, hmm. Dude, this sounds like my life. This sounds like... Yeah? I was oh, laughing this is right joking now? Ben because like my flexibility and my, my mobility is really, really poor. But I, I wake up in the morning of a cup of coffee and I just like sit there for about 20 minutes before I feel alive. And it's just, my yeah. body is just smashed. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm really interested in, in the potential of, of becoming more keto adapted for me, especially, um, longevity of life obviously is, is, is interesting brain focus or, or mental clarity. Um, how does that, how does uh, keto impact your, your cognitive function? So that's a really cool story because what I found within, again, within a week was that my brain was just firing. I, I had all these ideas and not just the, the cognitive function. So like being able to make connections quicker, being able to just remember things on the tip of your tongue and remember things better. But what I found was the increase in productivity. So at the time it was June of 2016, I was in the middle of a, a reorganization at the company where I was working. I was doing medical device sales and they completely changed my, my territory. And I was, you know, I went from being top 10 in the country to being like at 40% to plan. So I, I had a lot of work to do. And I even had a director tell me, Hey, you know, I need you to send me a plan on how you're going to turn this around. It's like, what, what have you done for me lately? Type of thing. Right. After half crushing it. Um, so I was like, okay. And then I, I made my plan and I, I, it was like three o'clock in the afternoon and I was walking down uh, a garage at a hospital and I was like, man, why do I feel so good? Like, why do I have so much energy? And you start to get into like motivation and, and, and all of those things. And if your motivation is low and you're, you're feeling tired, you're just, you're going to do everything you're supposed to do, but you're probably not going to go that extra effort. Like I'm not going to make that extra sales call. I'm not going to do that extra thing. Well, I started to do those things every single day. And I would, I've tried to put a number on this and I would say realistically, like at least 10 to 15% increase in productivity. Wow. And then, yeah. And, and that led to me, I won the president's club award the first time in my whole career. I, I had been doing this for you know, almost 11 years. And I had gotten rookie of the year, two companies, but president's club is like, you know, top 7%, really hard to do. And I was able to do that. So that was amazing, you know, and, and then just the endurance side of things where I was, you know, just had more energy. So I would park further away from places just because I felt like I needed to walk more. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but at the same time in the gym, um, I was, kind of taking it really easy because I didn't want my ego to get hurt because I knew that I was going to feel weak. So mm-hmm. I waited about three weeks until I, I decided to train again. And on that third week, I was kind of doing like, you know, workouts, but it wasn't really training. And on that third week, um, I noticed that there was absolutely zero pump. Like I had my arms looked wiry and just they didn't have any glycogen. Like I had just stripped of glycogen and just felt kind of like cracked out, you know, and I was sleeping less too, which I didn't mind at first. I'm like, yeah, I guess I need less sleep. So I was waking up earlier naturally, like my body would just wake up. Um, But 
after about three months, I noticed, and keep in mind also that for me, I was going to do this no matter what. I was like, look, I'm not competing right now. I'm going to ride this out. You know, a lot of people don't have that type of time, especially if they're training hard. Or the mental strength to identify that, okay, this might be difficult in the short term, but long term, this is going to benefit me or has the potential to benefit me. Um, I think that's massive. That's massive. Yeah. Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Supplement Needs. Supplement Needs are one of the UK's fastest growing online health and supplement stores. They have completely exploded over the last year and have been giving out not only some incredible products, but also some incredible information. For me, over the last number of years, I feel like the health aspect of the health and fitness industry has been completely left out. And companies like Supplement Needs are bringing your health as a priority to the forefront. For me, maybe it's because I'm a little bit older, maybe it's because I'm a little bit wiser, but I'm focusing so much more now on health, knowing that I can never fully perform without being as optimal as I possibly can in terms of my health. A lot of the supplements that I take from Supplement Needs and have been taking are health related. For example, zinc, magnesium, P5P, L-theanine, 5-HTP, vitamin B5, ashwagandha, methyl B12, vitamin D3, curcumin, and tudka. Now, for me to bring a sponsor onto the podcast, it is imperative for me, firstly, that I believe in the brand, their ethos, their message, but also their supplements. Now, knowing that Dr. Dean St. Mart heads their intelligence and their formulation is incredible. Just to have someone like that to give that level of detail. For those of you guys who don't know, Dr. Dean is a great friend of mine and he has a PhD in organic chemistry. His sole goal is to help supplement needs create the best possible formulations possible. Uh, So over the last number of months, he has created four stacks. There's a kidney and blood pressure stack, a liver stack, a sleep stack and a heart stack. Now for me to have a relationship with a company that gives that level of detail and puts that much uh, emphasis on making other people's health a priority, especially when it comes to science, it was an absolute no-brainer for me. You can also find a lot of other supplements on their, uh, both in their in-house store in New Milton, but also online on their website, Redcon One, Granite Supplements, Anabolic Design, Adapt, SciTech, and more recently, the Train by JP Nutrition Supplements. Some amazing products, uh, just an amazing brand, and really excited to be working with them. If you haven't, please check them out at supplementneeds.co.uk. You can also find them on Instagram. And if you want to save some money off, use the code SPEARMAN on your order to save yourself some money. I think people, most people, that's why they quit, you know, because I think it's getting better because people now know that it's going to suck no matter what at the beginning. Like everybody kind of has an idea. Yeah, (laughs) of course. We've moved past the whole you know, don't do keto, you're going to lose muscle and you're going to, you know, feel like crap because that, that was what people used to say. And now people are starting to realize, okay, maybe I should, you know, make sure that my electrolytes are, are good. I remember there's, there's two big studies where they looked at potassium and magnesium. And for both of those in the first 28 days, they both go down considerably. Um, and that's just a function of insulin being driven down by a low insulin diet. And then, you know, the kidneys are starting to excrete all this water indiscriminately, you know, water, electrolytes, everything. And if you're not diligent with the sodium and the magnesium and the potassium, especially in the first month, it's going to be worse. And then if you train where you're more likely to cramp, you're going to, you might get injured or you might feel sore longer. Mm -hmm. So all of those things play a part. Um, But then you know, three months later, uh, I started to feel my pumps again. And then I, I would even like look at pictures of me, like old pictures of me. And then I would just look at myself now. I'm like, I kind of look the same. I think, I think objectively I look the same. Mm-hmm. So 
that's that's good to know. So that's why I originally did it. And then every single month that passed, especially in that first year, I just remember I felt like I, I had like a new superpower every month. Like it was like, oh, okay, this this is happening now. And and every I felt myself getting fat adapted. And fast forward to like 2017 when I did, I think 2017 was when I did a, a 50,000 meter row for charity. And yeah. <laughs> the part about that is that someone else that I know did a hundred thousand meter rows. So I was like, no, I'm not going to do a hundred. I'll just do 50. And, um, I spoke to one of my friends who's real smart guy. Uh, and he's really good at fueling for ultra endurance, uh, events. And he was like, Hey, why don't you eat some carbs the night before? And why don't you, so do it this way, eat some carbs the night before. So I had like 200 carbs the night before, had no idea what to expect. It had been from, like, from what, because, uh, and that's something yeah. that I find quite interesting because with a lot of our clients, we, um, you know, ad- admittedly we will structure carbohydrates around the workout perimeter, but generally will be, they'll be quite low elsewhere. Um, or even when, you know, maybe it's, if someone's kind of cutting it fine, they've got six weeks left, obviously that'll be pretty low carb leading up to a shoot. And then, you know, like reintroducing carbs for, um, for glycogen replenishment or to try and get some f- sort of fullness. Yeah. Deciding or, or trying to pick what to integrate in like you would have is actually, is, is a lot more difficult than, than you would think. What, what did you, what was the rationale behind integrating, um, carbs in or, or was there any, or was it just yeah. what you, your body would respond well to? Yeah. So, um, the actual type of carbs, I, I ran them by him and he was like, yeah, that's cool. Um, I did sweet potato mixed with creamed rice and eggs. <laughs> so I had a bunch of eggs and, um, it was kind of like the, the ratios were kind of like, I guess you would say like low carb paleo type where it wasn't just low carb with, it did have, it did have a little bit of fat, but not not ketogenic numbers, probably like, you know, still 50% less, 50% fat or less. And then it was like, you know, maybe 30% carbs and 20% protein. And so what he was telling me was like, okay, if you, this is what is going to happen. I've seen it happen a ton of times. Eat those carbs at night, wake up in the morning, have your typical coffee that you have in the morning, and then get on that rower and do as much of it fasted as possible. So I was like, okay. So I went, you know, ate the carbs that night. I felt actually amazing. I remember I was, I was on my couch and I felt like high from the carbs. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, what's going on here? I felt like I was floating. Slept pretty well. Oh, slept great. Yeah. Yeah. All of those things. And then of course I, I tested my blood sugar and my ketones in the morning and, uh, my ketones were down to like 0.2 and my blood sugar had gone up to like, let me see, you guys are in the UK. So probably 5.7 millimoles, which is like 102, which is kind of, you know, a high fasted glucose number. Yep. When I'm, usually I'm in this, you know, 70 to 80. And, um, and then I did that first 37,000 meters fasted. And after 37,000 meters, uh, I, you know, took a break. Uh, I had uh, 80 more carbs, again, from sweet potato and that creamed rice mixture with eggs. I loved it. And hopped back on the rower and did the last 13,000 meters. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the, here's the best part of this. When I got off the rower, 30 minutes, I, 30 minutes later, I tested my blood sugar and blood ketones. And my blood sugar was at 64, which is like 3 point something millimoles. And my blood ketones were 4.4. And, you know, that's, that goes to show the beauty when everything falls into place correctly, when you're fat adapted and you get that metabolic flexibility where those carbohydrates that I used were all used and immediately after. utilized. Yeah. It was like my body went right into fat burning. And, you know, it's interesting to see that in someone like me, when I'm fat adapted, that insulin um, spike that came from those carbs, we know that when someone trains hard, the adaptations that come from them, they tend to drive insulin down just from the training. 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that in an untrained person, it may not be as much, but insulin will go down. So the training was clearing out all the glucose, lowering insulin, and I went directly from, you know, carb burning to fat burning. And that's what everybody's always trying to do is like having that flexibility to, to switch from one to another. It's not easy to do. And it's not something that if you're doing it from eating a ketogenic diet to eating carbs, it's not something that you can do like several days in a row. Like I think, for, in, for example, uh, um, a cyclical ketogenic diet, if you're doing one big meal or one big day, especially if you're lean, you have a good amount of muscle mass, you have high activity level, and metabolically you have a good history, you're not dealing with insulin resistance, that, that's okay. You know, you, you, you can do that. But I think once you start getting into two, three days, like a weekend carb up, that's when you start risking, you know, what's going to happen to my ketones? How much longer am I going to take to get back into ketosis? For me, even, I think I would do well with a two-day carb up, but I, I wouldn't even, I don't even risk it. So nowadays when I do a carb up, it's just one day I'm doing pre-workout carbs like 40 and then post-workout carbs like 150 or so coming from sushi, which is nice. Another, another amazing addition to my life (laughs) eating sushi again, which I haven't done in a while. And I feel really good. Last week I did it 225 carbs, woke up the next morning, blood sugar was like in the eighties and my ketones were at 0.9. So yeah, my body was like, yeah, sure. Sugar. All right. Burn through it. And now let's get back to fat burning. That's incredible that you have that ability. And I think for, you know, for, for those out there who may not want to go keto, I think the, the important thing to, to kind of take home from this is that once you kind of listen to your body or you, the, the thing is this, if you weren't tracking all of these things, then you would never know. And if, yeah. you, if, if you weren't able to be diligent and go through that initial period that absolutely sucked, then, then you wouldn't be in a place where you can afford to do this now. Um, we get a lot of uh, clients who are, um, I won't say borderline diabetic, but they have, they have really bad um, uh, insulin, uh, they're, they're a lot of insulin resistance. Yeah. Uh, and th- their immediate question to me is, oh, okay, well, do I need to go low carb um, or do I just structure my carbs? What, what would you say to someone who is insulin resistant in terms of, um, you know, obviously increasing insulin sensitivity, but also yep. maybe longevity of life? Um, do you feel that that's even more beneficial for, for, for people in that situation? Or oh, yeah. um, what, would your, what, what would your advice to, to these people be? Especially when they're very likely, if they are, um, you know, insulin resistant, they probably haven't gone a long period of time without carbohydrates ever, or, or, or at least not for long enough. Yeah, I think that, you know, you can do it with paleo, you can do it with keto, you can do it with low carb. Um, I just think that if you do it with keto, you're going to get to where you want to go quicker. Um, the problem is if you're dealing with someone who has insulin resistance and is an athlete, which happens a lot, you know, like when you think about it, like people forget that athletes are humans too, you know, like you've been eating this really high carb, you know, and a lot of them crappy, you know, crappy food sources, you know, eating whatever the, the cafeteria at the, you know, at the university, uh, had to offer. I know I did this. I did. I, I ate terribly during college and, and all those years. Um, if you if you just lower the carbs a bit over time, you'll you'll probably see some good benefits. But then, what are you telling your body? Like, what what's what is your body being told by this? Is it being told to burn fat? Technically, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna be able to be more flexible. You're gonna be able to access fat more because your insulin is gonna be lower. But I think that especially for someone with uh, insulin resistance, you know, doing some sort of intermittent fasting and, you know, doing like a ketogenic diet for like three months, I think can do it. It happens so quickly. Like I've seen people, I I have even one of my clients who who has a little bit of insulin resistance and little changes that we make. Granted for him, he's, he was already keto. So you know, but he was still waking up with, you know, blood sugar kind of elevated. So all we did was cut off his eating a little bit earlier in the day. He walked 
after dinner, um, after his last meal, and he was taking berberine twice a day with his two meals. And we drove down his blood sugar consistently by like 15 points, um, you know, consistently on his fasted blood glucose. And then all of a sudden where he was losing, he was with me for three months already and he was losing like a pound a week. He was moving really slow. He in the last month has been averaging about 2.7 pounds a week, which says a lot considering the fact that he's already been with me. He's already been in a deficit. So I, you know, someone like that, if, if it's the winter months and they're not competing, but then you have people who, let's say they're insulin resistant and they do CrossFit and they're really into CrossFit. And, you know, you tell them that your workouts are going to suck for a while. Well, that's going to, that's going to be hard for them because they're going to be that competitive side of them is going to be like, well, I'm not going to be on the board. You know, I'm not going to be ranking up there. I'm not going to be, you know, crushing it among my peers like I usually do. Mm -hmm. So, and then, then it's the option is theirs at that point. The option could be, okay, do some targeted carbs around your workouts, which is totally fine, but you sacrifice really getting fat adapted. You kind of like prolong that process, I think, mm -hmm. or, um, rip the bandaid off, hate your life. And <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what I do. I like that. I like that way. You know, you get, get through that glycogen, burn through it, you know, do some hit, do some, all these things to really get the, and try to start that fat adaptation process. The sooner you know, it's better. Just yeah. Almost embrace that challenge at the start, I feel. And that's the yeah. same with anyone who's, you know, who's starting a new um, nutrition program or, or a different routine or trying something different. I think, you know, just embrace it. I think I've, never been i would say you know when i'm when i'm cutting i would be quite low carb to some degree but i don't think i would ever have said that i'm in ketosis that in, in any way shape or form it's something that i would definitely love to do um for someone like me who is um on the ever the the the, the, the absolute quest it's not even a quest it's like a the biggest mission in the world to try and build muscle doing <laughs> do, doing what I'm doing. And I, so, so for me, you know, I, I know we spoke about it briefly. My, my, my ability to eat a large amount of food is just so poor. Like my, my appetite's poor. So, um, and I've obviously living in London, I'm walking around everywhere. So yeah. to put myself in a surplus is difficult. That's no excuse. But when I do, um, what would your suggestion be to someone like me who wants to build a decent amount of tissue? First of all, is it possible on keto? I know, um, I know you've, you've, you've got some, um, really good, good viewpoints on this. Um, and, and also how much more difficult is it? Um, and what sort of things should someone like me or, or, you know, some of my clients out there who love the feeling of, of being low carb, like the mental clarity, um, but want to try and build a decent amount of tissue. Uh, what would you say? Yeah. To us? yeah, there's a, there's a Bible verse, right. That says like, you can't serve two masters. Uh, I thought of that one because it's really hard, you know, to, to do that. So I'll say this, like there is nothing is going to compare at least anecdotally, because we've seen this like in the research, like they have looked at protein alone, for, you know, um, protein synthesis and building muscle. And they've looked at protein plus carbohydrates and they've looked at carbohydrates alone. Carbohydrates, big fat dud. It doesn't, you know, if you only eat carbohydrates, it's not enough. I know it's protein sparing, but it's not enough to really give you like help you build muscle. Mm -hmm. um, protein alone does well, but it never does as well as protein plus carbohydrate. And, you know, that is... So when you, when you combine those two, those are only in cell cultures and none of it is in vivo. So all of this is in vitro and animal studies, but you know, just because it's not in a human study, all you got to do is, you know, go to the computer, go to the internet and talk to anybody. And they'll say, I put on the most size when I add protein and carbs. So I'm not going to argue against that. And you know, when I tell people, I'm like, this is not going to sound sexy you know, for me to tell you, Hey, you can put on muscle, you know, eating a strict ketogenic diet, but it's going to take longer because you do have the, 
the mechanical side of it where you're just putting your, if you're training hard and you're doing like a good, you know, MI40 type program where you're training right um, and you're only eating protein and fat, you, you have many different factors that are influencing, you know, you adding muscle, but you're missing a pretty important one. And that's the insulin signaling, you know, like the hormonal signaling from insulin. You're probably relying on mTOR a little bit and you're relying on growth hormone. But when you, when you're, when you're uh, eating protein and carbs, you're relying on, on all of it. You're getting mTOR, you're getting insulin. And uh, interestingly, you know, with, with growth hormone, which is what a lot of people argue is a big factor in adding muscle in the absence of carbs, growth hormone is selectively anabolic in muscle tissue. So, you know, insulin is anabolic in all tissues. Um, when, you, when you're insulin sensitive and you're, you know, you train hard, that's not as important. So for you, it would be something like, hey, um, let's get a nice little reset with this diet. Let's, let's do keto for three months. to, um, And then those three months, your mission is to not lose weight. <laughs> so how do you right. not lose weight? Yeah. And, and, and then at that point, once I've increased my insulin sensitivity, utilize carbohydrates more efficiently, right? Yeah. And, and, and with me, I'll, I'll add this too, which is interesting because it's kind of a, it's a paradox that the research is showing that, that there's this metabolic advantage that you get when you lower carbs, because everything I've ever heard and, you know, anybody doing a prep feels that feeling when they do a carb up and they feel like their body's a furnace, like you're, you're sweating like crazy. You're, you know, what is that? That that's usually what people feel. But how is it that, you know, some of the research that we're seeing now, there was an awesome study that came out last year. And I'll put a reminder to send you this. It's uh, Dr. Ludwig um, did a study, um, or it might have been Lustig. It's either Ludwig or Lustig, um, but I'll, I'll, I'll send that to you if you want to share it. Um, and they did this study where they wanted to test the insulin hypothesis, so the carbohydrate insulin hypothesis. And so what they did was they, they had three groups of people. They, they all lost about 12% body fat and then put them on a maintenance diet after they lost that 12% body fat. And protein was the same in all groups, which is huge. I love it when they control for protein because that that's, doesn't make sense when they don't. Um, the only thing that was different everything was isocaloric. The only thing that was different was the ratio of carbohydrate to fat. So there was a group that had 60% carbs, then there was 40% carbs, and then there was 20% carbs. And what they found was that the group that was 40% carbs burnt about 90 more calories a day on average. And the group that was at 20% carbs burned about 215 calories more a day. And the reason why they think this is happening is because, well, first of all, eating a, a higher fat diet and a lower carb diet decreases feed efficiency. So, you know, when you want to increase feed efficiency in a cow, you fill them up full of carbs, you know? So when you're very efficient at feeding, it just means that you're really good at adding fat, you know? So, um, and then the other thing was brown adipose tissue um, or the beijing of, of adipose tissue where they were saying that, you know, a lot of these people are basically having their fat is starting to act a lot more like brown fat and brown fat is, you know, brown fats, what everybody, if we could have a ton of brown fat, we'd be fat burning machines because it's very um, inefficient. It, it basically generates heat for no reason. So it's like sitting in your car and hitting the gas while you're, you know, in park. And interestingly in the muscle, it doesn't do that in the fat cell. It does that. But in the muscle, the amount of energy coming in tends to be equal to the amount of energy coming out versus, you know, with, like I said, in the fat cell, the amount of energy coming in is, let's say two, and the amount of energy going out is like five, you know, whatever that number means, but just much more, they're losing more than they're bringing in. So that's good because they're inefficient. Absolutely. So, here's, um, here's a question for, um, that I get asked quite a lot is, um, especially around the time of, of uh, increased insulin in the blood. Um, obviously, we're, we're aware that if there's sugars or glucose um, that you with a high insulin response, 
our ability to uptake glucose into the muscle increases. Mm. The, um, the effect or, or to what degree does that insulin have on fat cells in the bloodstream? And obviously, of course, if you um, are in a situation whereby you've got you know, a large amount of carbs and potentially, not that I would have a large amount of um, triglycerides in my blood around, around my workout perimeter, but, but, but hypothetically there was with an um, increased insulin um, secretion, how would that affect um, the, the uptake or, or would it of uh, fat or triglycerides in, in the blood um, or to where they are deposited for those out there who um, that's one of the probably main questions I get, especially around um, the workout perimeter and, and increased insulin sensitivity or um, the, the ability for our body to utilize the nutrients in the bloodstream. Wow, man, that's a that's a tough one for me. I don't I don't know that I know the answer. I mean, I mean, if, if I was hoping you would, and we could make a lot of money off it, but <laughs> yeah. I, what's your thought process around that? And because um, you know, I've, I've I've seen literature that suggests that you know, if you've got a large amount of triglycerides in the blood and you've got an ins- a high insulin response, then your 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 body's more likely to uptake. Um, the, the triglycerides and but but obviously they're they're not going to be pulled into the muscle they're going to be they're going to be stored somewhere um what, what what do you think the thought process is is around that or do you think it's just um about being cautious with with the food that you're having around the workout perimeter if you do have an increased insulin response yeah i think you got to be you definitely got to be there's there's different carbohydrate sources that that you know they someone was just asking me about this yesterday about you know, um, they're like, why are you using honey and bananas, you know, or why are you using the banana if, you know, fructose, you know, some carb sources will, you know, increase glycogen in the muscle. Some of them will increase it in the liver. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, 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 it's one thing that for me, especially around my workout perimeter, I will normally have a, um, being, I would say that I'm relatively um, insulin sensitive. I think a lot of over the last oh, man, five yeah. years, I think that a lot of my a lot of my carbohydrates have been you know selectively around my workout, especially around the workout perimeter or post workout, even more than pre. And um, for that reason, I feel like for me to try and get you know a decent amount of carbohydrates in, um, I normally obviously decrease my fat content in, in those post workout meals, but also because of you know maybe the the potential to slow down the the uptake of those carbohydrates. And um, so for that reason, I probably wouldn't have a huge amount of fat or, or triglycerides in my bloodstream at that point in time. Um, however, now that I'm growing, um, I'm at a stage now where I'm just to like get the calories in. But that being said, I'm conflicted and, and I'm happy to be vulnerable on, uh, in, in front of everyone in saying this, that I am conflicted by, you know, I believe massively in nutrient selection um, and the foods that you use and the quality of the foods that you use for, you know, for cognitive function, but also for performance and, and longevity of life. But then on the flip side of the coin, I am well aware for me to achieve my goals and put on, you know, a certain amount of size or, or being a uh, caloric sur- surplus that I need to be getting enough calories in, even if it's not from optimal foods, just purely because my, um, my, not my digestion, but my, my hunger levels are so poor. Like I could go hours and hours and hours and hours without eating. I did a 36 hour fast and I used to do that last year when I was cutting. It didn't bother me at all. Honestly, like I didn't even wow. For me, it was perfectly normal to go a long, long period of time without food. But obviously, that's such a when I'm trying to put on weight, that's just not good. So, um, what would your what would you say to people out there who are like, okay, well, you know, this would be optimal, um, but at the same time, I still need to get you know this amount of food in. Or are you any tips and tricks that you think, especially maybe more um, keto based or or maybe um, some decent foods? I know actually for for one, you know, putting things like you know, extra oils on my foods and, and things like that can can definitely increase the um, you know the calories that I'm eating, especially if it's a keto meal or or a, a low carb meal. Um, have you any tips and tricks to to get extra calories in? Um, you know, when you're doing keto in particular. Yeah. So the first thing is, I want to just let you know that I'm right there with you. Okay. <laughs> I am right well, you there did with sushi, you. Sushi, right? That's a, that's a, that's that's a good one. It is good, but then like the analysis paralysis, it happens all the time and I have to shut it up because I'm like, 
Danny, you know, you're eating GMO rice right now. You know that this is not non-GMO. You know that, you know, you know, what did they do with this rice? You know, they didn't soak this rice. So it's like all these things that I'm just like, you know, and, and there's that most of the time I'm eating literally nose to tail, like every single day I'm having some type of liver. I think today I'm having like two different types of liver. Like I'm going to have cod liver and I'm going to have regular liver from liverwurst. I'm having all these really high nutrient dense foods, really good quality foods. And then when I want to, you know, carb up, um, you know, I'll just out of convenience, uh, I'll, I'll have the sushi, which sushi is great, right? Like the, the, it's low fat. And then, but then on the food quality side that you mentioned that, that bothers me. But honestly, like with all the sauna that I do every morning and all the stuff that I do, I know that any type of issues that I have, um, I, I detox very quickly and they, my body's just like, you know, batting everything away. Right. And then I also know that from your point of view, you know, it's so much easier to have like a ton of sweet potatoes and a ton of like, you know, rice, it, it, it fills you up, but you could eat it. You could eat a lot of it quickly. Whereas, you know, something that's really, really fatty, you know, you just get turned off to it, especially if you're not regularly eating high fat, you know, cause that's a, that's a, a huge um, adjustment for people too. Not only from just a palatability standpoint where they're like, and I just feel like this is like a brick, this thing right here on this plate. It's like, it's not even that much food in volume, but it's so dense and it's, and, and adding the oils and, and, and all those things like, you know, it makes it harder to eat, you know, Absolutely. someone like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, uh, j- j- just on that point for, for any of you guys who, who are unaware when Danny said nose to tail. Um, so uh, Danny's doing a carnivore right now. So, um, the vast majority, well, all of the, the food that Danny's consuming right now is um, is kind of what I mean from nose to tail is that he's using, you know, the whole animal, right? Yeah. Yeah, the whole animal. So I'll, you know, I, I have certain certain foods that I, I try to eat every day because I'm looking at it in, from a standpoint of like, I'm trying to construct the diet that's, you know, the most natural to my ancestors, which is that alone is, is very nebulous and, you know, people can go back and forth on that. And, you know, that's best for me. So, you know, I did start eating like a carnivore diet in August of 2017. And um, with the exceptions of, you know, experiments that I always do, like I did that paleo experiment that I, that I told you about when you were last in Tampa, where I was in January, I was having three days a week where I was having higher uh, carbs. But for the most part, I eat nose to tail carnivore. And, and January was when I really started to focus because before it was like, make sure to get, you know, fish in once a week, make sure to get some sort of organ meat once a week. And then I was like, well, what would happen if I tried to do this every day? So every single day I'm having some egg yolks where I'm getting a ton of choline, I'm getting a ton of vitamin D, even some vitamin A from the egg yolks. I'm getting, um, liver and other organs. Um, I, I made organ meat burgers last week with kidney for the first time, which I was terrified because to be honest, I think it tastes like piss most of the time, but it totally, <laughs> it totally mixed in well <laughs> and it tasted great. Um, and I'm eating today, actually I'm getting some brains. So, uh, I'm going to eat some brains for the first time. So I'm eating all these different things. And, um, and then when I do have those carbs, you know, I always try to, everything's going to be organic. And, and for the most part, when I'm at home, everything's really high quality, but someone who's trying to add weight, um, and add muscle, um, if they only want to do it through keto, then they're going to one p- quick point I'll say is like, try to multiply your body weight, try to get at least 15 times your body weight in calories. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty easy to do with fat because it's so dense so um, if someone wanted to try to add some weight, I would tell them, try to start with maybe your, your body weight in protein um, and then, you know, your carbs less than 50 a day. And then the rest would all come from fat. That would give you the rest of the calories that, that got you to 15 times your body weight. And, you know, you would do pretty well. Um, but if you're, you're like, you know, you're kind of an ectomorph, you're always lean. Right. And, and so you know, for you, I honestly, I would, I I think what would be perfect would be something like 
um, let's say you train four days a week and on the first two days, which is kind of how Ben and I structured not only our, our program that we're going to put out, but it's how we trained last year when we were getting uh, Derek ready for the, the Olympia. Mm-hmm. And um, we would, earlier in the week, it was heavier. There was, you know, the rep ranges were like five to eight and the rest was like two to three minutes. So we didn't move fast, but when we trained, we trained hard. But then the last two days we would, we would have, you know, imagine hitting every body part twice a week and, um, or at least not every body part, but at least every big muscle group. So we were hitting back chest and legs twice a week. And on that second day, the volume was, was greater and we moved faster. That makes sense, man, to pound some carbs those days. Like I, I, you know, I, I, well, pound some carbs for my little keto carb, (laughs) you know, pound some carbs for me means like eating my body weight in carbs. So I was like 225 pounds. Um, so about 225 grams. And I had that on Thursday and I freaking crushed my workout. And, and I'm already to the point where I'm kind of used to the wall that I hit after a certain amount. Like I'm used to saying, okay, when I train, I know that I'm going to kind of hit a wall here. And I would say that that's a direct function of my diet because I don't have enough carbs and, and you can train really, really hard and you can do really well on a ketogenic diet. But if you're doing glycolytic activities that are like high intensity, you know, very little rest. So a typical bodybuilding thing where you're like resting 30 to a minute um, in between exercises, you can tell me whatever you want and you can start quoting studies because there are studies that show that, that with a ketogenic diet, you're going to be able to um, work at a higher capacity using fat as fuel. So one example is like this, this group where they, they, they had the one group was, the sugar burners basically that, that ate a high carb diet at about 55% of their VO2 max, they started to, to burn a lot more sugar than fat. So that's when the significant drop in fat loss occurred and they switched over to sugar as their primary fuel source. Mm-hmm. But in the fat adapted athletes, that was closer to like 75% of their VO2 max. Of course, that's going to spare glycogen. So, um, so they're going to do well. They also found that those people they they replenish their glycogen at the same rate but that was in a context of an endurance exercise where you're doing steady state and beta oxidation can keep up with your energy needs pretty well like you can you can generate enough atp at a fast enough clip to keep up with your energy needs but if you start getting into that and you can you can kind of dip your toes into glycolytic stuff and, and do some, some short, intense things, but you can't stay there too long because that there's just, there's, it's a fact. There's no way that fat can keep up with carbs at or above that intensity, especially if there's short rest. So mm-hmm. it makes sense to, for you. Uh, and, and I did this on Thursday um, where I carved up and then I, I said, I'm only going to do this one day. And then Friday was another high volume day and I didn't feel as good because I, I only had whatever was left over from, from Thursday, which I can tell you what was left over. Nothing. Because <laughs> I walked like six miles and I did a high volume training and, and I know that I burned through everything because 30 minutes after I had four sushi rolls, which I guess is about probably over a hundred carbs, probably, probably somewhere around 120, 130 carbs or so. Um, my blood sugar was at 70 and my ketones were at 0.3. So either I had a massive insulin spike from the rice that drove my, my blood sugar down that low. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's that one because I didn't feel bad. I didn't feel weak or tired. Uh, or which is much more likely, you know, imagine I walked two and a half miles to the gym, I trained and it was high volume. And then I walked three and a half miles to the sushi spot. So I burned through everything. And then whatever was left, you know, I kind of burned through that too. So, but it would have been nice on that second day, instead of doing targeted keto and cyclic keto, which targeted keto is just 
eating carbs around your workout and cyclic keto is, is having like a carb update, which mm-hmm. is kind of what I did both on Thursday. Um, it would be nice to do a second day, just targeted keto. So just that second day, just have the pre-workout carbs, you know, just to give me enough so that I can get through it. And I've talked to other people that have done the targeted keto and, you know, some of them are like, well, I don't notice much. I, I don't see much of a difference. And I can tell you that for me, I just can keep going. And I think that if you're not noticing anything from targeted keto, then I just think that's your training. I just think that you're not training hard enough so you don't feel a difference because you're training within a range that is, is totally fine only using fat. That's such a superpower for you to be able to have that amount of food and know that you're utilizing all of those carbohydrates. And I mean, so I think so many people out there, no matter how much they love carbs or not, can take value from, from, from that alone. And even just becoming more mindful of regulating your, your blood glucose or, you know, regulating your, um, you know, your insulin sensitivity, I think is massive, regardless of whether you go down, you know, you know, you, you go as, as, as deep as Danny and go and they'll go keto or carnivore. <laughs> yeah, and, and then all the testing you know. too. <laughs> well, right. You don't have to do all that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, dude, you mentioned, um, and I know we spoke already about your, um, the program that you're doing with, with Ben. Um, talk to us a little bit more about that for anyone out there who is, who is interested or anyone who wants to delve into the keto world. Yeah, I just got goosebumps when you mentioned it because I'm like so pumped about it because it's just, it's mind blowing that, that this doesn't exist already. You know, that, that keto has seen this surge in popularity and, and, and we don't have any type of direction on how to train when you're eating a ketogenic diet, like nobody, nobody talks about that. And then when we talk about the, can you build muscle on keto? The usual answer that you'll hear online is, yeah, you can build muscle on keto. Look at Danny Vega. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) that's not a good way to answer that. Because first of all, I built a lot of size without keto. And granted the last three years I've, I've kept my size and I even put on some muscle with keto and I haven't even really been trying much, but the more important question I think is how to build muscle on keto and no one has answered that. So that's what Ben and I kind of stumbled upon when we started. Ben was, you know, in the middle of his doing keto real strict, doing a lot of intermittent fasting. And we found that if we did certain things that, that we would feel like crap and we started to have conversations. And a lot of those conversations were in the gym while we were training. So, um, this program is not only is going to, it's going to teach people the most important things to consider when doing a ketogenic diet, like where you can go wrong. Um, and so you'll see, okay, if you're, if you're going to go keto, awesome. And, th- and we want you to go keto and, and these are all the benefits, but these are the considerations. And so we go into um, a lot of the information. So managing your um, time under tension, managing your your rest, managing your, your stress, you know, because you, you are now taking away a major tool that you can use to modulate cortisol and to, to help you manage that stress when you take away the carbs. And there is a slight increase that you see with ketogenic diets and cortisol in general, but it's not enough to really concern anybody, but you'll, you'll make that 10 times worse. If you're, if you're like, let's say, you're just, you're a hardcore gym head and you're, you're taking that program that you just, you've been doing for a while and it's, you know, you know, high volume stuff like, you know, 30 plus sets in a workout, you know, uh, high reps, sometimes drop sets, sometimes forced reps, all the things that, that are really going to increase lactic acid and increase, um, you know, cause your body to, to ask for more sugar. Well, what do you think it's going to do? It's going to create sugar and you know, you can, you can do that with fat. That's how we even survive on a ketogenic diet. We create the sugar that our brains need, but you're probably going to risk your body creating sugar out of tissue um, because you're, you're going to basically be, you know, using protein or using your muscles to, to generate that sugar. So that's a big one. And I think that one is, is one of the ones that we really focused on the most that we really tried to tell people you know, you can build muscle on a ketogenic diet, but this is, this is how you do it. Right. So 
Yeah. And, and, and we, we, you know, there's, there's videos, there's, I, I created a fat adaptation, um, cardio plan. I also created just the cardio plan that you do for the, during the, the whole program. It's a six week program. Um, Ben wrote the workouts. Um, we both wrote the educational portion. So we do, we have frequently asked questions. So, you know, what about, um, I mean, everything that you can possibly think about. What about protein? What if I eat too much protein? Will that cause gluconeogenesis? We address that. What about um, my blood numbers? What about ketones and blood sugar? Should I test? Every single thing that people are probably asking, we, we sat down and we tried to think of all those things and we, we either made videos to mm-hmm. address them or we included it in the educational portion. Dude, this is amazing. This is definitely, I'm, I'm, you're going to regret this podcast right oh, now. Oh, dude, we're going to send I'm, it to you, man. We'll, we'll send we, it to you. Well, <laughs> I, I was going to say, when, you know, when I do decide to delve down that rabbit hole, I'll be out in Tampa and I'll be like, hey, Danny, what are we going, what are we having for food? <laughs> oh, dude, next time you come, I'm going to make you some organ meat burgers. Oh, shit, dude, this yeah, is yeah, yeah. first for me. I'm keen. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to make you those because uh, like every, you know, Ben's kids love them. My kids love them. Right. I mean, if you, that's, that's magical to get children to eat awful, to get them to eat organs and, and, and all this food. That's just, it's been sitting there. It's, it's just so sad to think about all the organs that have been thrown away all these years, yeah. you know, and they process these animals and, and they throw away the organs. Like you actually have to, when you buy a cow nowadays, like I'm asking them, how many, how many animals can you give me organs for? Because I know you're not going to give them to the people who are buying them. Give me all their livers. <laughs> give me all their, you know, because people aren't. So, uh, yeah, when you come down, we'll, we'll do that for sure. Dude, I'm absolutely keen. So where can people find out more about you? Um, where can people follow um, everything you're doing? And where can people find this, uh, your program? What's, what, what, have you, what have you coined it? So it started with um, Ben saying something like, you know, you need to lead a movement teaching people how to do keto intelligently. And we were like, hashtag intelligent keto. Okay, that sounds good. And then, and then of course, muscle intelligence. And so basically we created, it's called the Keto Muscle Intelligent, Intelligence Program. So it's ketogenic muscle intelligence. So think of it as, a, as an offshoot of muscle intelligence where right. Ben just has me running that whole side of things, you know, and so we will it. have... Yeah, it's, it's so anybody who wants to delve into keto, like they'll, they'll be able to do that. If they want to follow me, they can see me on dannyvega.ms uh, on Instagram. And it's called Danny Vega, aka Keto Counterculture on Facebook. You, you, if you just put Danny Vega. Um, but the, I just did a, a, an interesting series this weekend on keto and carbs. So I think that'll be really good for people to know. Uh, especially we, we didn't talk about this, but super starch, I'm actually going to have some today before I train, um, which is a whole other rabbit hole for another day, but super starch is awesome. It's basically a carb that can top off those glycogen levels and give you usable carbs and it burns like a fat and it doesn't increase (laughs) insulin and really amazing. Like think about for glucose storage diseases, these, these kids, they don't, they have to either be fed intravenously or they give them like Argo starch like every hour like these kids are they're feeding them through the nose and so these kids they die pretty young and this was a very innovative highly highly just up the the biggest the most massive um, glucose polymer like you've ever seen like it's just humongous you know and and it is absorbed it doesn't increase insulin and it what else Uh, it doesn't lower blood sugar so obviously you know you don't want a blood sugar low from a poor carb source, you know, an hour or two into your workout. So yeah, even, even like something like maltodextrin, which people say, well, that's pretty good because it doesn't spike insulin as much mm-hmm. that they found decreased their blood sugar. I forgot. I think it was like an, after 150 minutes, their blood sugar had gone down by 28%. I can guarantee you that's not going to feel good versus like the super starch group. Like the ultimate uh, pre-workouts. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's a carb that burns like a fat. So I, I want to organize, this is a, something that I'm going to be doing in the next six weeks. I'm, I'm 
grabbing a hold of all of my friends who are keto influencers mm-hmm. and um, and I'm organizing the first practical study. It's not going to be FDA. It's not going to have to go through the IRB. We're not going to do any of that because that would take forever and I, I don't want that headache and someone else could do that. But this would be like a case study. This is awesome. You're going to document it on YouTube, on your Instagram Oh yeah, I'll do it. I'll definitely do it on the Instagram. The YouTube awesome. is Fat Field Family and we're very mediocre, but people love our videos when we do post. So you could check that out there. And then um, the Fat Field Family podcast, we, you can either go to our website, which is www.fatfield.family um, slash podcast if you want the podcast. That's also where my coaching is. My you know We have online programs. We even have a little threadless store. We're not making money off of it, but if anybody wants to wear <laughs> like t-shirts, like fat field family t-shirts and things like that, uh, they go there. But, um, muscle and Inte- keto muscle intelligence is going to be out very soon. I'm not going to say when, but probably by the time this comes out and I'll give you the, the link. It's just like I told you before we got on the air, you know, people are doing all the back end stuff, all the web people and the marketing people. So, it's ready, you know, dude. It's almost ready. I can feel it's it. It's ready. It's right there, it. man. I'm seeing pictures. Be ready for when I'm for when I'm taking that plunge. Oh I'm yeah. Yeah, man. Dude, thank you so much for your time as always. Guys, if you're not following Danny, get following Danny. Um, and hopefully next time I'm in Tampa, I can document what it's like to eat nose to tail for the first time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> dude, I love it. Thank you so much. Always oh, a pleasure. Oh, it's my pleasure, man. Yeah, yeah. Always great talking to you, man. Guys, as always, I'm going to leave you with the same quote that I leave you at the end of every podcast. Make the most of today because you will not get this day again. Peace. Guys, I'm interrupting this podcast for one reason only. I want to say a massive, massive thank you to every single one of you listening. Whether you've left a review on iTunes, whether you've shared this in your story, whether you've referred this to a friend, I just want to say a massive thank you. As a thank you from me, I want to give every single one of you something for free, something that you can take away and something that you can use. So what I want you to do right now, while you're listening, whether you're on Spotify, whether you're on Stitcher or whether you're on iTunes, continue listening this second, head straight over to my Instagram page. Now, I want you to click the link in my bio and hit free arm guide. I want you guys to download that, take it away, utilize it, give it a go. Let me know your feedback. Let me know how you're getting on as a massive thank you from me to you. So click the link in my bio, uh, put your email address in. It will get sent directly to you in seconds, completely automatically, completely for free as a massive thank you for you guys. Um, Even listening to this, you know, I never thought that there would be this many people listening. Just recently, we've hit 100,000 downloads, which is mental, um, and I want to give something back. So as a thank you from me to you, uh, click the link in my bio, download the free arm guide, and get started. Um, You've got three workouts within that arm guide. You've got a hypertrophy arm day, you've got a strength arm day, and you've got an arm blaster. Now, if you're going to do the arm blaster, take about 60 to 90 minutes out of your day because it is going to be amazing. Um, it's a little bit longer than usual, but some really, really good execution tips in that ebook. I hope you make the most of it. Guys, thank you again.